0: welcome back to it's your money the mayor brown Sword podcast where we look at what's happening in the world of cash savings investments and the future and we try to make some of sense of it all i'm andrew harrison and i'm here with andy mayer hello andy how are you doing i'm good how are you i'm all right i'm not bad have you got over coventry city getting promoted yet are you still dancing on air i think i'll be dancing on air till the new season starts
1: and i think my dancing celebrations will end very quickly
0: gotta be optimistic. That's you know, that's I, I realise that, you know, in financial advice you've got to be sober and balance it, but it's football. It's not about being rational.
1: Yeah, but when you're a football club owned by hedge fund managers, I think it tends to take the rationality. You support a football <laughs> team that are well run, well managed, and have a ownership that runs the Red Sox and Liverpool in a very good, equitable and I think financially astute way. We have seen
0: I have no words to describe them. Yeah, but you have got a very cool two-tone style away kit, which we can't say, so that's, that's good. That's our selling point. A great kit. I'm very, very jealous of it. On today's episode, because Andy is glowing with happiness about Coventry City, and I'm glowing with happiness because football's back in Liverpool, might win the Premier League, we thought we'd do a Reasons to be Cheerful edition this week. And also last week's edition was a little bit worry-obsessed. So we're going to look on the bright side of life. Andy, one thing you thought of as a as a reason to think happy thoughts is that ESG portfolios are outperforming. Now, you've got to explain to me first up, what are ESG portfolios? Yeah, I think the common
1: misconception is that when you say I'm people do you want an ESG portfolio they think it's an ethical portfolio well ethical is one sub universe of the major investment universe but ESG stand for environmentally social governed portfolios so the best example I can give you is everyone's friend Mike Ashley sports direct would not be in anybody's ESG portfolio because they're not environmentally friendly they have no governance And they have no social responsibility. So an ESG company will have environmental issues at its heart, will have good social responsibilities, and have
0: excellent governance. So the assumption is that under tough times, these kind of... These airy-fairy, sentimental things will be driven out by tough times and and, uh, will only want to sort of back things that are, uh, you know, run with a very clear-eyed and very brutal approach. And what you're saying is that that's actually not what's happening right now, that that, uh, ethically-run portfolios with strong governance are actually doing really well.
1: Yeah, see, the environmentally social governance portfolios are separate to ethical portfolios. They are a different brand. But during COVID, and you're right, a lot of people have looked at these as – hippie funds <laughs> so they have because but bizarrely during covid they've done remarkably well they've had inflows they've had m- people pouring money in when people have been pouring money out of traditional funds and in the sunday papers all weekend morning stars who we use for our research have done a load of analysis and over one three five and ten years the esg portfolios have outperformed normal portfolios I think it's in, I might get this slightly wrong, in 27 of the 30 sectors. Now, people would have said pre-COVID, yeah, but they've never had a crash in the last 10 years. Well, COVID has seen the stock market volatility, turbulent and economic downturn, probably the worst since 1929. And these funds have not only been resilient but they've had massive inflows into them.
0: Are they doing so well because of that inflow in the, in the belief that we're going to have to do the economy in general different after this? Well, there's not going to be a final day of the pandemic, but as it winds down, is it because money is flowing in or is it because they are more robustly managed for the future anyway? The real reason,
1: I think, is if you look at really well-run companies, they've got really good governance, i.e. the management team have done it correctly, They've got good cash in the bank. They've respected their customers and they've respected their staff. When you read some of the examples of how Weatherspoons have reacted with the the people who work there, you look at Virgin Airlines, you look at, again, my favorite person, Sports Direct, (laughs) ESG would never, they would not make it because they've given, they haven't given a damn about their employees. ESG companies have got money in the bank. They've been very, and they're socially responsible. So they've understood their responsibility, but they've got good governance and good management can often see, even in a crisis, companies in a sector you think would not do well outperform. And I think that's why, because of the governance of the companies. So you're saying
0: it's the G in ASG.
1: I personally think the governance has had a massive, massive impact. Pre-COVID, you might've said people like Greta, and David Attenborough's programs had had an impact but they've stood one of the biggest shocks this is a earthquake to the financial system and mm. they've performed robustly well and it's that is one of the greatest upsides of
0: this terrible pandemic do you think that the pandemic is is kind of accelerating a process that was happening anyway in, in industry and in the in the economy. And that you know, we, we have no alternative but to kind of head towards more of a green approach. I hope so. What's fascinating is when
1: you look at energy funds, one company who are really struggling, energy prices are remarkably down and they're actually a very good sector to be in. But Centrica, who've got no holdings in renewables, are the worst performer of all of the energy stocks. And when you speak to an analysts, they would say to you they believe Energy will really have a, a bounce back and do very well over the next five years, but Centrica have not got any renewables. And the reality is, the energy funds that will do well are the ones who, again, as with any portfolio, they've started to diversify.
0: So you, you as you're pouring through your documents and work and working on your advice, you, you think energy is a good place to be, but particular energy companies where they where they are future proofed in in stuff that's less reliant on fossil. Certain energy companies, again with an ESG
1: head on, have looked at it and gone, what's the future look like? What can we do about it? And how do we get involved? And I think right. certain it's, it's like all sectors. Certain sectors have buried their head that their day will never come. They'll always be able to do what they were previously able to do. And you end up extinct like the Dodos, where certain energy companies have looked at the world, how it's moving towards electric cars, etc., how the world is trying to become greener. And they've moved towards mm. it. And those companies will have
0: a very successful future, I believe. It's been remarkable. We've seen that in the past couple of weeks, we've seen, you know, Britain, you know, hasn't used coal-produced electricity for weeks on end. I don't think it's used any for a, a couple of months now. And on the global side, you've seen BP devalue their assets by seventeen and a half billion dollars and say they may leave certain oil fields unused, leave the oil in the ground. I mean, this is kind of you were talking about hippie funds earlier. This is the kind of thing that, you know. The hippie in me thought I would never see, and yet it seems to be happening. <laughs> I
1: think somebody had a conversation with last week said, this is not the new normal. This is a reset. And mm. maybe this is a wake-up call for the planet and the world that everyone looks in and goes, do I need to make that journey? Andrew, over the last three months, we've had conversations with clients on Zoom and Microsoft Teams, whereas I would have asked them to get into London, I would have gone to London. And so I think there's a lot of ways that when we come out of this, however we come out of this, and whenever we come out of this, the world will change. And for some people, they want to change it in different ways than others, but there will be a change in
0: how we travel and, I think, how we use fuel. i tell you what, they're coming to London, you're not missing much. It's shut. There's nothing happening here. We're just sitting there looking out the back window, listening to the birds tweeting. Can I ask the, uh, ask the selfish question, then? How do, how do uh, uh, my brownsword clients take advantage of this uh, this new age of Aquarius and in investment. Then, what do the, you what do you what do you advising us to do? I it's again according to people's risk and their beliefs. On Friday,
1: we've got a seminar we're running with Dan Kemp, who is the chief investment officer from Morning who started his career working in ethical investments. Morning Stars, I think the research suggests that uh, an ESG return on the global sector was six point nine over ten years, as opposed to six point three on normal funds, they can listen into to that. They can give us a call and we'll talk it through. It is a really exciting area and I get 10 years ago when ethical funds were launched, people went not enough in it, but there is a funds universe now that is growing. Funds are being launched virtually every month and there are billions of pounds being poured into these investments because they are important in terms of the, the environment, but they're no longer helping the environment. They're actually helping your investment. They're helping your pocket because you're going to get more out of it. And I think it's a bit like when annuities in 2012, they were poor value. And then Oz changed the rules to allow pension freedom. All that's happened is annuities have got worse value because people are going, I don't want to be involved in that. I think the next decade for ESG portfolios will be remarkably exciting with good management, with good asset allocation and good company selected. There'll be some companies who will mess it up and get it wrong, and their performance will be terrible because they're not adverse to that, but there will be an exciting future.
0: So it's going to be a good time for your investments to grow and also for you to feel good about it.
1: Yeah, we, we've had people in the past say, look, I will swap a part of return because I want to do something to help the planet. And we've also had people say, I would like to do something, but I need this money to grow. With this 10-year okay. performance now being published... I think it's going to really encourage people to look at where they invest the money. And I think it's one going to help the planet, but two, it's going to help their pocket. And three, it forces all companies when there is inflows into these funds to look at their principles of how they manage a company. And that's going to be massively important when we come out of COVID for people to work for companies where there is good governance, but they actually care about
0: their staff and their employees and their customers. I want to move away for a minute from ESG itself and just onto the to the broader economy. Yeah. I've got a quote for uh, from Lenin for you here, Andy, because I know, I know you're a big fan. There are decades when nothing happens, and there are weeks when decades happen. <laughs> and it feels like we've been having weeks when decades have been happening. He wasn't soft. He wasn't daft. You know, we're in this moment of incredible fast change that we can can't can barely keep up with. What are the sectors? And we've talked about this on a couple of the previous episodes. What are the sectors that you're seeing now? maybe away from ASG that are possibly leading the re- the resurgence of the economy? Is it other things happening that we didn't expect? Okay, if we look at it
1: in real terms, the FTSE is down 15 to 20%, depending on which day of the week you look at. But the Dow, in sterling terms, on the 1st of June was up. This is due to the fact that the Dow has is overweight in pharmaceuticals and technology stocks, which have done remarkably well. Whereas if you look at the UK... We've got large energy holdings, which have suffered with oil prices, and we've also got uh, 22% of the FTSEs approximately in financials. Now, the UK banking system, and people sort of struggle to believe this, is actually quite robust, but due to regulation pressures from the FCA and the government, they haven't paid dividends because they furloughed so many of their staff, and unlike 2008, when the finance sector especially the banks were overcapitalized and over risk that doesn't appear to be the case at the moment but it's similar to what we said last week so if you were looking at sectors where you would be buying obviously if you've got into pharmaceuticals early and one of the drug companies uh, develops a cure for covid then they will go through the roof but in the uk energy stocks look quite well placed as do a lot of the ph- uh, as a lot of the uk banking sectors look well placed Interestingly, Mm. Buffett sold off his airline stocks a couple of weeks ago because he believes that airlines will take two years to recover. And that's the great man. Mm. One of the greatest things that I think has happened during the economic downturn is that someone like Warren Buffett didn't bluster, didn't sort of try to pretend something was better than it was. He just turned (laughs) around at the Barclay-Hathaway shareholders meeting and said, I got it wrong. I'm selling them. I called this wrong. And I thought that remarkable honesty from one of the world's greatest investors just made everyone move on with it so soon if possibly all of our politicians and economists in this country were turning around earlier and saying i got it wrong things might move on quicker it'll never catch on, <laughs> never gonna
0: catch well, on honesty <laughs> yeah so, the, so the shops are all open again this week. We've seen, um, you know, queues straining. In fact, your your mates, uh, Mike Ashley, Sports Direct ran by us. The queue is miles long. What are you advising on retail as a sector? Because, you know, we've seen a lot of um, strong messaging from government. Shall we say, saying spend, spend us out of uh, out of the hole. Do you think taking a longer term view of it? Do you think retail is going to have a Uh, a fast recovery is it going to be a long haul
1: i think retail have a very quick bounce like houses did a few weeks ago and then it's suddenly the drop off you've got people who are going to primark who've not been able to buy any clothes online who are queuing and you've got people who are desperate to get out i suspect we'll see what how the retail bounces in two to three weeks when we have to bear in mind at the moment that people have still got money in their pocket they've still been furloughed they're still being paid but as the furlough scheme starts unwinding I think retail has going to come in for some shocks, but again, you've got, if you look at the beauty industry, companies like uh, the Hutt Group and feel unique and look fantastic have had excellent sales because people have been looking for beauty products they've not been able to buy. And this really fast, well-run organization has been able to get people's beauty products in and out i think i was reading MS are saying if you're not certain about whether you're a size if you're a lady a size 12 or a 14 buy both and send one back things like that will become the norm i think retail will be similar to every other area have you got yourself ready for this reset
0: mm. well all my money's going on small brewers <laughs> and crates and crates. <laughs> No, I, I, seriously, you know, really good independent brewers who have worked out how to deliver very, very quickly to your door. You know, much as I miss the pub, and particularly the pub with football in it, um, it hasn't been all that bad, and you feel like you're kind of supporting a small business as well. Well, I
1: think, I think it was Majestic shares. No, Majestic's turnover went up 200% in April. Wow. And again, you're looking at companies. The Wine Society, for example, took their drivers off the road, and I think that's really hurt them. They're back on now but they're now having problems with warehouses that they used to use where people were furloughed companies who kept going even on a limited basis have been able to deliver. And I think they will continue to do well because one of the things that is interesting about the pub trade is that when you would go down a street and you'd see an empty pub, you didn't necessarily want to go in. You saw a busy pub. You think, Oh, it must be good. You'd go in well, if this two meter rule applies and certain pubs where I live in Stratford, they may have been able to hold 40, 50, 60 people. They're probably going to hold 15. The atmosphere, yeah. which was a possibly a key part of visiting a pub, apart from the great beers might have gone. And again, you're right. Independent breweries who've worked away out brewing great beer, getting it to your door, need the support as well, because they've, I'm a big fan of thinking it, have these companies thought out of the box and the ones who have will
0: flourish. This is going to bring the famous quote from Yogi Berra. True, isn't it? Nobody goes there anymore. It's too popular. (laughs) It's going to come true for the first time. While we're on reasons to be Cheerful, I wanted to put this to you. I mean, independent breweries notwithstanding, I've noticed that my credit card bill is way down. No sandwiches at work, no bus or train. No, I think I'll buy four paperbacks on the way home just to, you know, to pass the time. Yeah, you know, it's one of the reasons to be a bit more cheerful from this this whole strange experience that we're all realising how little we actually need to spend in order to not just survive, but also feel kind of relatively happy with our day. I saw an economist called
1: Tom Hegner speak a couple of years ago in America, and he's a phenomenal speaker. And he says people have a bit like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. They have two levels of needs in retirement, but I think it's proven now you have a basic living need, heating, electricity, gas, food and then your desired level of needs. Now I suspect people listening to this who know me will know that my wine consumption has gone up and my wine bill's gone up and my beer bill's gone up. But that's been my biggest expense because actually you can't go anywhere. I've We, we did a newsletter about 15 years ago called the cappuccino effect because we, we think a lot of people in big cities get off the tube, get off the tram, get off a car and go straight into Starbucks or Pret and buy a coffee. And at £3 a week or £3 a day rather, you multiply that by a week. 15 pounds you multiply it by the year and have a sandwich you're probably spending a hundred pound a week on takeaway sandwiches that money is now retained in people's pockets to do things they want to do when we come out of this whether it's holidays or buy some great craft beer because people i think are now realizing that a lot of the money they thought they didn't have they have had they can live within their budget but they've been frittering it on things that they didn't actually need because of a lack of time so you rush into work, you go and get yourself a coffee on the way, you go out to Pret at lunchtime. On the way home, you've forgotten that you haven't got anything ready for dinner, so you go into Marks and Spencer's or an Aldi or a Little and you buy your food, and then you get home. Whereas actually, you could have probably, if you'd had a little bit more time at the weekend, been organised. And I think most people are now able to see what their budget, their real budget, really looks like. And that is a real benefit for people.
0: Do you think, as this is a sneak preview of being at home, For a lot of us. Some of us who haven't actually had to do it very much. Do you think it'll change people's idea of how much they actually need to be comfortable when they retire?
1: Yes. I think I think when you retire, there's people spend money in most of their money in the first in four years of retirement. The first two years a lot of people want to travel and do things they've never had the opportunity to, either through time or money, and they use the tax-free cash a lot of the time to go and see the world. And then unfortunately, people spend a lot of their money in the last two years, which was care home fees which may change after COVID. But I think it's also made people realize we've had people say they want to retire earlier because of COVID. And I've also had people say to me, I'm so grateful to go to work because I don't want to retire. So I think we will come out of COVID with a real distinct difference. People who want to retire early and people who don't. And I think there's also going to be some issues when people have been furloughed for so long, receiving 80% of a normal salary, depending on what they earn having to go back to work getting up early going on the road but there will be Mm. changes in working patterns some people are desperate to go back for the sociability of an office and other people have absolutely enjoyed enjoyed working from home and maybe if not as many people need offices the commercial office space that will become vacant could be used for the homeless crisis maybe Mm. first-time buyers crisis where they can't afford to get onto the ladders shared ownership maybe a return to building some houses to get people on. So maybe there'll be something good come out of if people decide to want to work from home and they can and some of these buildings get turned into facilities that are much needed by the community.
0: So just before we wrap up then, from a personal level, what are you most optimistic about the way things are going? I think I'm optimistic. I, I think my glass has always been half filled. I'm optimistic because I think. That'll be the wine bill, you see. That's why the glass is half full, Andy. Yeah, that
1: is the wine bill. Yeah it's, on,
0: yeah, it's on credit card, so it's not until next month. But I think, <laughs>
1: I think I'm optimistic because I think it may have reset the world to a better place. I think a lot of the people we've spoken to have had good savings. I think people are looking at the future and people have always sat down and gone my God, have I got enough life covered now? And that sounds awful. People have looked at their estate planning, whether their wills are up to date, their estate planning. But I think I'm optimistic because people might have looked at what for them is important. And um, When we set out on COVID and we got the lockdown, someone asked me what I wanted to achieve. And I simply said, unfortunately, one person we know, his father has died. I would love all the people that we look after to be healthy because you can make money back. And I know that sounds blasé, but we can you uh, stock markets have great times and they have terrible times, but the average good time is significantly longer than a bad time. But if you're not here to enjoy it and you haven't your health, you don't want to be the richest man in the graveyard. And Mm. I think it hopefully has made a lot of people reappraise what is important. And I think also the portfolios that we've run, the research we've had from morningstar has been excellent and they've done very well considering the times have been unprecedented
0: yeah it's odd isn't it i think i think we're all we're all kind of in the eye of the storm we don't really know how it's going to shake out but you do look at things and think actually this might not necessarily be all bad in some ways as long as as long as you're still around and you have still got your members of your family and you haven't been hit hard in that way which so many people have
1: yeah i i do I don't want to end an optimistic podcast on an air of gloom. I think the hardest part will be for people at the moment who are facing coming to the end of their furlough with job uncertainty. I think that's going to be the greatest crisis we face. I think economically Mm -hmm. there are reasons to be cheerful because it gives a country a chance to redefine what it could do. And I think there are Mm -hmm. opportunities in farming and manufacturing that could help boost the economy. And I think it's like everything. The chancellor seems to have had a decent grip, how we repay the debt. No one has a clue, but I think we seem to have weathered the worst of the storm. What happens in the future? None of us know, but I think there are more reasons to be cheerful than there probably was when we started these podcasts two weeks ago. And when we started in lockdown in March and let's face it, live football is back on the television.
0: Your team could win the Premier League this week. It's entirely possible. It's not all bad. It's not all bad, is it? It's not all bad. (laughs) So that's the end of another edition of It's Your Money, the Mayor Brownsword podcast. We'll be back next week with more insight from Andy Mayer, the Gary McAllister of personal finance. You can get us now on Apple Podcasts, so you can listen on your phone if you like. Uh, So do subscribe so you get every episode uh, when it comes out fresh. Andy will also be emailing the podcast out every Friday in June, so you can get it that way too. Andy, good to talk to you. What are you going to do now? you Are getting excited for the the first kickoff? We're (laughs) recording this on Wednesday, so people will be hearing it later in the week. They'll know what's happening. Yeah i'm actually
1: now? going to get a glass of wine and then i've got pizza ordered with molly and tom my children and we're going to watch the arsenal man city game so i'm very excited about that
0: and i'm setting up a zoom conference with my mate who's a, a mad man city fan so i'm going to watch it with hair and we're going to try and re- recreate that big match atmosphere <laughs> with just two people shouting into a zoom conference <laughs> andy good talking to you Thanks. see you next week we hope you've enjoyed listening and we'll see you later bye everyone and have a great week